Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. This is C. Martin. Of course, that means you are listening to Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, we have an awesome show for you today. Uh, we recorded this a couple weeks ago at Earthworld Comics uh, here in Albany, New York. You may be familiar with them. We've recorded uh, several shows there uh, over the time we've been doing our podcast. Uh, JC, the owner, is always nice uh, enough to have us there and basically uh, record in his store after hours. Um, this week, uh, it's myself, Undies of Wendy. Uh, JC, of course, as we're recording in Earthworld, uh, the mysterious girl known only as Misdemeanor, and our favorite uh, returning co-host, Professor Next. Uh, whenever he's around, it means we're talking about something brainy, uh, something intelligent, and today that is no different. We are talking today about what the effects of constant connection to your fandom of choices. What does being connected to what you love 24 hours a day due to you as a fan? What is it due to the, the creators? What is it due to creativity? What is it due to art, to culture? What are the effects of always being able to have the entertainment that you want at your fingertips 24 hours a day? Having your entire life experience filtered through that one lens of pop culture. What is What are the effects of that? That's what we kind of started out talking about, uh, and of course we get way, way off topic. Uh, we kind of talk about fandom in general, how it's changed over the years, what it means today compared to what it means in the past. Uh, it's very, very in-depth conversation uh, that unfortunately just cuts out uh, about an hour and 35 minutes into the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we talked so long uh, that we filled up the memory on the computer, uh, and we were just kind of blabbering for a few minutes before we realized, hey, wait a minute. Nothing's recording. So that's why there's just an abrupt end. Uh, when you hear us start to talk about Charles Manson, boom. That's going to be the end of the podcast, unfortunately. A uh, few things to mention before we go here, before we get the show started. Uh, we are officially done with cons for 2016. Uh, as much as I love uh, doing cons, it is kind of a relief to have some time off right now. Uh, we're going to be picking back up again next year, I think in March or so. Uh, so you'll still see us out there. We'll be at shows literally all over the country. Uh, so please come out, see us, talk to us, listen to our show. Uh, we're, we're, here to, we're here to talk comics with you. Uh, so we want to see you out there. Uh, we'll announce shows that we'll be appearing at uh, as we get a little bit closer to the dates. Um, also, uh, we have news from a past guest. Uh, I believe he might have been on uh, twice already. Bruce Zick. Uh, he's the creator of The Zone Continuum, uh, and he has got some new uh, reprints of his work coming out in graphic novel form. He has The Zone Continuum Legacy uh, and Terminal Point, uh, which are coming out this winter. 
Uh, should be out soon, so keep an eye out for those. Uh, Bruce has been on our show a couple times. He's always a great guest. We always love having him on. Uh, he's got some, done some great work on the Zone Continuum. Very uh, sci-fi, Matrix-y type of stuff. Um, so if you're a fan of that, please go out, check it out. Even if you're not a fan of it, go out, check out Bruce's stuff. Uh, he's Because he's great. The artwork's great. The story's great. Uh, and finally, I just want to say on a very somber note, uh, it's been a really, really, really sad week here uh, in the upstate New York uh, comic community. We lost a really great person, uh, Darren Carrera, the owner of Comics Depot. Uh, I can't say that I was, uh, you know, greatly acquainted with him. I knew him well enough to just say hi if I saw him, and you know, I bought some stuff at the Comic Depot uh, here and there at uh, shows. Uh, but uh, one thing I did know about him is that he was just an amazing guy all around, and uh, I mean, just. The way he's affected the comic community in the past week has been staggering. I mean, everybody is just hurting, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be a different scene, you know, once the shows start up again, especially local shows, because he was such a, a constant presence, uh, and he will be missed. So we want to just bow our heads in silence for a moment uh, in honor of a really great person who's no longer with us. All right, folks. You know, tragedy happens, but we got to press on. Onward and upward, that's what the people who are no longer here would want. They want us to go on, uh, so that's what we're going to do. The, I will just leave you uh, with these words. Be a little nicer to everybody. Uh, get to know people you might not normally get to know. Reach out past your comfort zone, because uh, you might find some people who are really great people. You don't want to miss out on that. Uh, so without further ado, here's a new episode of Transmissions from the Evil Lair, Attack of the 24-Hour Phantom. Uh, but what's going on, everybody? This is Seamart, so that means this is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, joining me, we have a very, well, I should probably say we have a very special show today. Very large panel in the room today. For once, right? It's not just me and you yelling at each other. Yeah, it? yelling at the computer uh, with <laughs> maybe somebody on the other end. Uh, but joining me here today... Undies of Wendy. J.C. Glimmer, owner of Earth Old Comics, the best comic store in the world. Just ask your mother. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we... And I'm... Aided uh, by my loyal assistant, uh, Misdemeanor. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is uh, Professor Next, who kind of has, but not quite tenure, so we'll just stick with Professor Next for now. <laughs> and once, once that's done with, uh, totally just real names all the time. <laughs> um, but today, we have, uh, if Professor Next is here, that's always a, uh, a good uh, you know, flag that we're going to be talking about something kind of brainy, something intellectual, uh, while getting drunk. You, sir, I am offended. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to intellectual drunk conversations. No. Uh, um, but today we, uh, we're going to be discussing, is it possible to overdose on your favorite entertainment? Is too much of your favorite thing a bad thing or a good thing? What, what does that do to a, a fan? What does it do to an artist? Um, the, the, the example I've been giving, I think, to everybody who's asked me about this, like, what's it about, is, like, uh, the perfect example is somebody living the Disney lifestyle. Somebody who watches only Disney movies when they go on vacation. They go to Disney resorts or Disney cruises. Their whole life is filtered through this one lens. A better example would probably be the Star- some of the Star Trek people. Yes, that's another good example, actually, yeah. In fact, I remember going to one of these conventions one time, and this guy was just so into Star Trek. Incredibly. I mean, and... and it's a good example of what you how you uh, described it. Someone who just is obsessed by it. Uh, this guy actually walked around in his pocket with a uh, William Shatner action figure, 
would refuse to acknowledge uh, uh, um, the uh, Patrick Stewart character or even call him a by Star name. Trek fundamentalist, if you will. Right. And, and, and it's <laughs> Star just, Trek ISIS edition. <laughs> but it was exactly. But he was so enraged, and it was very interesting to find another faction of Star Trek people who were looking to kind of egg him on. So it was it was an incredible sight to see. Um, I would, you know, in that case, you know, Star Trek has kind of brought a uh, brought an example to mind. I would say this is kind of a, a, a positive thing, like culturally, like you have people who now are fluent in Klingon. Like, I think that's kind of cool. It's created, you know, a whole new language, basically, that only the people on the inside of this thing... Yeah, why learn Spanish? Something you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, like, there, there's a lot to be said about that sort of stuff, like where fan, fandoms kind of have their own lingo going on. I mean, like, it's not technically a fandom, but a culture, like Tumblr or whatever, kind of has its own language, too. And then um, you've got people who are into Lord of the Rings, and they speak whatever... Elvish, yeah. Yeah, that... The ones like whatever the hell Lord of the Rings people speak. Those Lord those of the words. Rings-ish. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, but they people are like really hardcore about Lord of the Rings fandom too. Like, that's one I, I got a I very noticed. awful story about Lord of the Rings. I remember <laughs> you tried reading it. No, no, not only that. <laughs> when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I met this girl who was just so into Lord of the Rings, and I just wanted to just, you know, get with her. <laughs> So <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings. So yeah. I, I read all four of the books. You speak in and they were like, horrible. And, and they were okay, they okay. And I'm I'm just hoping by hope you know you get me in. And finally, I read them all, and we got together. And I hate to say it, the second it was over, I go, I read all that for this. <laughs> and I go, what a waste of my time! I mean, and now was, every time you see a Lord of the Rings cosplayer, you're just like, damn I, no, you! No, I, I just <laughs> no. Every time you see Lord of the Rings, I just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not you. a fan either. It's just too. Um, I feel like it's it's too involved. Like there's a lot of fandoms that you know I really am. Sh- I shy away from because it, they're just too fucking involved. Like I can't. I don't have the time. I don't. I don't speak Elvish. Yeah. I can't do it. Like I've read the I read the Hobbit. That was kind yeah. of a chore to get through. It took me a little while. I read that. Even though it's a really short book. Oh, try reading Dune. Yeah. <laughs> Although you, I keep hearing that. So I have a friend who uh, keeps recommending that to me. I am telling you, if you can make it through the first. 150 pages of Dune, you're in. Yeah. Once you're in, you're in. But, man, it is hard to slug through those 150 pages of you. See, I I love Dune on the second read. Yeah. And then, but then Okay, I, you have to read it first to get through a second read. The problem is that, right, so then I had, then I decided I was going to read um, Children of Dune and God Messiah of Dune. Wow. And, <laughs> and, and I just, you know, and you know, I don't know what you know about the, the subsequent sequels, but like we go like approximately two, three, four thousand years into the future of the Atreides family, uh-huh. so that like Paul's one of Paul's sons actually, by the time you get to God Messiah or children, whatever the hell it was, is actually a sandworm <laughs> with a human face, and I'm like, okay, I mean that's when I jumped off. Completely. Which leads us to Beetlejuice. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was going to say, very Beetlejuice-y. That's but, um, crazy. But like fandom stuff, I was thinking, I always fancied myself a big Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. And then somebody got me the Trivial Pursuit Star Wars edition, and mm-hmm. I never felt like the dumb, I was the dumbest motherfucker in the world. Like, I could have <laughs> sworn that I knew Star Wars. Oh, half those facts didn't jump anyway. Said, yeah. There's a thing to be said about like, you know the magic of the internet, where if you don't know something, you can find out very quickly. I mean... I, I'm literally, if it weren't for the magic of Wikipedia, sometimes I just find myself in the, in the Wikipedia hole where I'm just reading shit about absolutely nothing. Like, 
before bed or whatever. I, Wikipedia is always kind of a crapshoot, though. You never. Yeah, no, you never know. Someone could edit it and be like, and then they grew an extra arm and like went crazy, and it's like that's not fucking true. But I mean, you can aside from you know Wikipedia and stuff like that, you can read up on pretty much anything. Uh, that's how I got you know kind of immersed in the DC timeline is you know. When I first started reading comics, I was like, let me use the internet to help me kind of jumpstart and know where I want to read and where I want to start. And yeah. I just thought of a kind of a hypothetical. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, now think about real. if we had the internet, because like, I, I know you're definitely in this group of kids who grew up in the dark ages of Star Wars. Well, there uh, was no internet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, once, you know, once Return of the Jedi was over, you weren't getting any more movies. Like, you weren't expecting more movies. You weren't expecting prequels, sequels. You had comics, you know, that would, like, kind of got you through. Like, later on, you got novels and stuff. But we didn't have this internet community where you could talk Star Wars. No, we had Ace Books doing books like Han Solo's Revenge and, you know, but we didn't, yeah, we, we didn't have, there was no community. And if you don't get it, like, you know, if something happens and you're like, I'm not quite sure what happened here. There's no way to kind of supplement that. Like, now if I don't understand something, I Google it in two seconds, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, I get it. Like, you know? So there's no, like, gray area. There's but no do, room for interpretation. Do you think we would still have this, like, ripe fandom of Star Wars today if we had that back then? Would we have, like, would we have overdosed on that? No. I don't think you can overdose on Star Wars. I think it's just one of those timeless... I think one thing you're, you're forgetting is when Star Wars originally came out, um, a lot of people probably around your age, um, you were just very young, and, and it came out right before you, came out right before you, um, before I came, came out, before, before, yeah, <laughs> like, right literally. before you came out, yeah, and, and now, um, most of the people are, have grown up with it, it's, it's a natural thing, back then it wasn't a natural thing, it, it, it was an anomaly, I mean, you didn't really see movies like that, I mean, Star Wars, if anything, it was more revolutionary because of its effects and because of the movie itself not because of the storyline because it's something you've never seen before but now a lot of people take that for granted yeah i mean star wars a new hope is essentially it's the joseph campbell it's the hero's quest it's you know um but it's really it was the first time that you had like someone took that kind of time and energy into the models and the effects and everything else also the only way to see it again like you weren't waiting around for it to come out on vhs you had to go to a theater, yeah. You had to go to a theater, you know, and then once it was out of the theaters, then you had to be one of the 30% of households in the country that had HBO or was staying at a hotel that proudly said, you know, free HBO in your room on your color television, like literally, you know. I remember when it would come on CBS and it would be like an event. It would be five hours long though too. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of miss those days because I mean like even when I was a kid, it was like, you know, these things like not everything was on VHS or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so you did have to wait. It was like an event. I mean, I remember The Wizard of Oz being on TV and that was like an event. Like, you know, being only on at this certain only on time. once a year, yes. yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I saw E.T. in the movie theaters in nineteen eighty two. With the guns. Right? Yeah, 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 with the guns and this flashlight bullshit. And then I think I was in eighth grade. When it came out on VHS, so it was like five years later or something like that. And I remember, because yeah, I was at a school dance, right? Like a middle school dance. And I was so excited because I had pre-ordered at the local video store my copy <laughs> of E.T. ET. And I had How much was it? Not seen, I mean, it was probably like $25. Yeah, that's in, about right. In, that's in a lot. 80s, and that's yeah. a lot back then, In, in yeah. 1988, that was like what I paid for my Alana and Marco action figures. Or I remember when they first released uh, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
to people, and it was something like twenty four ninety nine or yeah. nineteen ninety nine. People go, that's cheap because videotapes at the time when you released them were eighty nine dollars, ninety nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something everyone could afford. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I was kind of saying, I think that scarcity though kind of <laughs> stoked it later on because once we did start getting these things, that's when people started to really like. That's when the culture kind of exploded. It was way down the line, like mm-hmm. even after the prequels. I think is when it started getting really, really big. I mean, I even remember, you know, like when things became like more readily accessible, you still had to wait for them to come out. Like on, you know, DVD or VHS or whatever. Yeah. Now you don't even have to do that because you can find it online. You can find it, you know what I mean? Illegally, of course. But, I mean. Or or if you didn't make it to the theater, as long as one of your stupid friends who already saw it kept their mouth shut, you didn't have the <laughs> spoilers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You wouldn't have to dodge spoilers that's, left I would and say right. that's, that's probably one of the dangers of uh 24-hour fandom is the spoilers that come with it because people are so immersed and you know that's very true spoiler because culture it's a one, thing. one thing about us being a store is we have to see the movie as soon as possible because people talk mm-hmm. about Somebody's it not only because people talk about it because they're going to ask us what we think because this is it's pretty much going to a restaurant and asking the, the chef what they think of the food you know you so they're going to think what you know they, they put a lot of what you think of the movie so it's very important for us to make sure that we're on top of that. Make sure we see it, you know, the, the day or at least two to three days before it comes out. Because not only does it help that, but it also helps us in turning over. Hey, if you like that, well, you might like this story where it was based on. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Like very if, true. Like if somebody really dug Zack Snyder's, you know, reintroducing Superman to America. <laughs> who's that? Uh, who's somebody? Someone. There's someone out there. minutes um it's the fuzz <laughs> quick quick hide the booze <laughs> right they um but oh no so what i was gonna say so there's somebody comes in here and they're like oh i really dug this superman movie and they go over to the trades and then grab a copy of grant morrison's justice league <laughs> like <laughs> you're in for a little bit of a ride yeah like, what the fuck is that? yeah what does that happen to me um yeah no uh but i mean Spoilers can be like a whole different podcast. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, weren't you? You were just on a panel. We did a panel in uh, Minneapolis over the summer. Spoilers. You did it. I just watched. But yeah, I mean, like, how long is too long to uh, have a spoiler warning on something? I would say at least for me. I mean, I I don't know. I might be twenty four hours. That's what I was gonna say. I might be be being too much of a hard ass about it, but I think if you're really a fan of something, you'll okay. see it within 24 okay. to 48 it, it, it hours. It really depends. Unless you can't afford to, and then you have to wait a week or so, or you don't like oh, yeah. people okay. or in you have general. Young children. But what about walking? Yeah. But about things like Walking Dead? Okay, if you don't see it within the first 24 hours... Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a different story. If you don't see it the night it airs, you're probably going to get something spoiled for you. Right, right. Yeah. If it's like a movie or something like that, like you know what I mean? I feel like movies have kind of a longer um, like shelf life, I guess, in terms of spoilers. I mean... Because not everybody can go out right away and see movies, like you know, especially with that's how expensive. That's true. I've seen on Facebook within an hour they'll post a spoiler. Like it's just, it's like a, you went to go see a preview. Day. Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, like be a little considerate of it. Because I mean, like at least, like you have to go to the movies. Like oh my this. god, I can't believe they yeah. killed Glenn. You know, Look, seriously? assholes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate The Walking Dead. So um, why? I really, I'm an asshole. Because she hates awesome things. Yeah, that's I don't why. Like that. I'm sorry. I think it's like overhype. I'm see, a Buffy I, fan. I can't. I like writing that's too. not. I know. See, I don't I watch can't. it, but not 
not because I don't want to watch it, but because it just got it got so far away from me that I just decided that someday there's too much like, work involved like the to catch up. Galactica reboot. Yeah, that's what I, I said. decided. I made a conscious decision that I was going to wait until I could digest it all. But so with the walking, but the spoilers thing is you get like, sick after the last three episodes. But oh, okay, <laughs> right. um, like Twin Peaks, you know. Well, yeah. Twin well, Peaks. Twin Peaks, though, you mentioned going back to our conversation about waiting for something to come out on VHS or whatever. So Twin Peaks disappeared into the ether and then it came out on VHS and then it disappeared again. So the only way to get it was like it was people were selling it for like 200 bucks right. on VHS. Yeah. So then yeah, they recorded they, it like in their house. Then they, did like, it, they put it out on DVD, but they cut it off at like I, the original DVD release of Twin Peaks didn't give you any of the episodes from the short season two. So in other words, you went through season. Oh, it didn't. One. No, oh, so yeah. you ended season one. And you still are like still don't know who. Right, and oh. then they're like if you like this, you'll like Firewalk with me. It's like I was the other. For what, it's, for what it's worth, I actually watched Firewalk with me about a couple weeks ago, and? because I because I heard the, you know the the Showtime series is coming out. I go, I wonder how the because I remember when I first saw, it, I go, boy, this sucks. It means nothing, but now that I watched it again, I can see the foundation of where they're going. So maybe watching that first, then going to the series, then going to the new series mm-hmm. might help. Okay. But, I mean... You hear that, kids? And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> knowing is half the battle, yes. <laughs> it's weird, though, because with this whole 24-hour fandom thing, it's like, you know, you kind of find out that, oh, I'm not the only fan of this thing. Like, I mean, some of the fandoms that are out there now, because it's so, like, you know, nonstop, is even things that, like, wouldn't normally have a fandom have a fandom. Like, it's very weird to me. Like, books that I read that are, like, you know, just these random-ass books. Like, no one cares about it. It's not like a series. It's not like Harry Potter. Super hype. There's a community somewhere online where people are, like, writing fanfics of these people and drawing pictures. Writing fanfics. I just, because I'm, like, I, I wrote the word artist down. Because that was one of the things Seamart mentioned in the in, in the eloquent introduction. <laughs> It was quite eloquent, by the way. Thank you, know, you thank you. Take that, Charlie Rose. We've got one up on the <laughs> big wooden desk. But, um, I, you know, so as someone who teaches, and I've been known to teach creative writing classes, I can't tell you how many students I've had who will avoid reading or, or immersing themselves in something other than what it is they exactly, like, in other words, they want, to, they want to almost create carbon copies of the very thing that they love the most. Like, I've had students who say, you it know... It is a natural reaction because you admire that so much, yes. Yeah, and then, but, they, but then when I say, like, all right, I understand that you really dig the Harry Potter novels and you want to create your own world and this, you know, and that's, that's fantastic. And you were inspired and a lot of them started out reading very young and Harry Potter was their gateway drug to wanting to be writers. Yeah, you grew up with it. Yeah, yeah. but I'm like, well, you should also, you know, check out some of his other really interesting shit and they're like no 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 I don't want it to sort of infiltrate my writing I don't want yes. other ideas to poison this sort of imaginal space that I've that I've created for myself um, and, and not just in, in fandom and, and sci-fi and fantasy and, and the kinds of stuff that we're talking about but even things like poets like well no I you know this is these are my two favorite poets and so that, that's how I'm going to write and I said well you know what I want to say is like well you like crap poets so here try these <laughs> here's some good you know, stuff but instead um, I was, like if I have one more nineteen-year-old dude who who's going to rewrite Kerouac's On the Road, oh god! And I'm like, trust me, read it. You know, read it when you're thirty and come back and tell me if your mind is blown again. I'm sorry, I read that book because everyone was like, oh my god, it's so great, it's too classic, and I was like, I'm not impressed. Like, no, at all. beat them with Naked Lunch if they say. That, <laughs> um, I was going to say to that effect that I, I think that's kind of a 
it's kind of a stage in the the process of becoming a writer. Let me get artsy fartsy here for a minute. Um, I think you 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 initially start out as imitating. You know, and it's 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 up to you as the artist to evolve past that. If you don't, those are the people who kind of fall Same out. Same comic artists. Yeah. 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 Or or you can be Stephanie Meyer and just have a self insert fan fiction. Um, and then be 50, yeah, you know, self. 50 Shades of Grey, also self-insert fan fiction, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I was going to throw somebody else under the bus, too, as a second point to that. Uh, Paolo Pinta, who does this podcast from time <laughs> to time. Um, when we're either writing the show, our, our show, uh, Theater of the Absurd, which you can check out at theaterotheabsurd.org. Um, Shameless one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, when we're writing that, or if he's writing something on his own, he stops taking in other forms of, you know, are, you know, like uh, something that they think are similar to that. Uh, the perfect example was uh, Black Mirror. I was yeah. going to say, I love yeah. Black Mirror. That's the one I, thing that I, I think I it's want an amazing show, yeah. And I want him to watch it because I know he'll like it, but he won't watch it because cool, he's writing it. something similar. Paolo Pinta, our friend. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I, don't, I can't say his name. I, was, yeah. I thought you could watch it. Yeah, no, and he won't, <laughs> he won't your, watch your it because. Body, your body language is like, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, but no, no. Like uh, I specifically recommended, there's the one episode of Black Mirror. I think it's from season two, where it's about this dude who like voices this cartoon character. It's basically, uh, the Waldo. Yes. Waldo. Yes. yes, and I'm, I'm sitting there. I just we just watched it like a couple months ago for the first time, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, You're like wow, this, this is a perfect recent. parody of Donald Trump. This is exactly what he's doing. Exactly what's going on. I'm like, this had to have just been written. I thought we don't say Voldemort's name a lot. Yeah. yeah, no. We get two more times. Yeah, we can say it two more times. We say it three times and he shows up. But, uh, you know, we... Biggie I, Smalls, Biggie Smalls. Yeah. Oh, that's not how Harry Potter works, Seamart. <laughs> that's like... We get to the end. Yourself. That's Bloody Mary in front of a mirror. Yeah, I was going to say. This episode is from 2013. Yeah, it is. So like, I, I'm like, my mind was blown. I'm telling him, like, you have to, you have to watch this. It's, it's so amazing how dead on it is. And he's like, I can't watch it because I'm writing something yeah. similar. If we like, try and explain, he's like, up, 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 and he gets like mad. So. I, I will, I will throw it. I will drop a name uh, in my you know, as uh, Greg Rucka. I saw. I went to a writing uh, seminar with him, and he told us, you know, if you want to create, you have to take stuff in. It's just a function of the process. Like you can't put stuff out unless you're taking in raw materials. Like. If you if you, really like cool Charlie, if you like Charlie uh, if you like Charlie Booker's uh, Black Mirror, uh, misdemeanor just reminded me that um, <laughs> Dead Set. Yeah. Yes, that was Dead awesome. Set. Yes, it's also it's on Netflix. Right oh, now. is it? We'll yeah. do that shit. Dead Set is also on Netflix. Very, very worth worth your while. I watched that when it was first on uh, BBC America. Like nobody knew about this thing. It was just kind of. I, I mean, I. I Patty brought it over, and we sat well, yeah, the entire yeah. thing in one sitting. I know. It was an amazing thing. It's, yeah. The, uh, the basic story is it's... Big Brother. Night, yeah, Night of the Living Dead, except people are in the Big Brother house, and they don't know what's going on. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. this is written by Charlie Booker, the guy who does who writes most of the Black Mirror episodes, and it's an amazing... If you have a chance to watch it, watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, Black Mirror, the, um, I don't know how many people have watched the most recent season. I won't spoil anything, but one episode of the most recent season... Had me so fucked up for like a week. Which one? Which one? The one with the kid with the uh, with the people on the phone. Oh, oh, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. It is <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's it's, like, it's you know I don't want to steal a term from Zack Snyder, but it's sucker punch basically. Like you're you're kind of lured into believing this one thing, and then at the end it's like bam. I was yeah, you didn't see that coming. The end of it. I was like, you literally. You didn't see it coming when he was looking at the little girl at the beginning of the episode. No, but when I halfway halfway through it, I was just like, oh fuck! Like, I and I realized what like, was there going was on. no reason why he's getting that worked up and doing all this stuff for just jerking off. Yeah, 
But it's yeah, he's that's what you're saying. It's gotta yeah, be something well, weird. Not, not to spoil anything, but the basic premise of this episode is that this kid, he's you know he's he's doing he's a teenager. He's beating off in front of his computer, and somebody hacks in. Yeah, his and camera lights it. on, and they're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, and they're they're threatening him to like they're gonna blackmail. They're blackmailing him. They're gonna you know, if you don't we do know these what things, you're doing. Yeah, you we're gonna really we say we're, this is gonna go out to all your friends and family, and they're gonna see what happened. So if you're a teen, like if you're a teen kid, kid, like a teen boy, anyway, I can I can speak from experience, like. People knowing you beat off is the most frightening thing imaginable. Like, even though everybody fucking does it. Yeah, like, yeah. Just in that stage of your life, there's nothing more terrifying than like that. Have you know that coming out? Like, yeah. So you think that he's just genuinely terrified of that, but it turns out that yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they just throw you for a loophole, but you know, no, definitely shit. watch. Definitely watch it. Yeah, definitely I, worth your time. It's it's a modern Twilight Zone. This is another way to break it down. Techno Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah Techno Twilight Zone. But not like all... Skrillex Twilight Zone. One thing I wanted to interject about uh, the topic of fandom twenty four seven. It's different for you guys because you're fans. Different for us because we live the life twenty four seven. Because as a comic store owner, when I'm not even when I'm not working, I'm working. Yeah. I mean, when I'm home, I'll check the inter- internet and say, oh, shoot, you know, I should order this. You're always, you always have to be on top of things. And I always have to make sure that these new books are coming out. I make sure I have to, oh, this is a cover, you know, someone's going to want. Or you always have to be on top of your game. You always have to be on top of everything. Because if you're not on top of everything, you're going to lose sales. You're going to lose customers. You have to have these covers. You have to have these books that people are looking for. So it's something that, like I said, you know, it, it does engulf a majority of my life. From the time I get up, uh, one of the first things I do is I just check the Diamond site to make sure. And I check, I'm also linked into the store's computer, so I know what our inventory is. So sometimes, I, I'm always working. So sometimes I can tap in the computer, I can see what we have in the inventory. So this is where I, you know, do our orders from. So, and it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because I have the access to the store. And I have to be here, you know, at any second I can up an order, I can kill an order. But it's it's something that's verily, very, um, verily, verily yeah. ingrained, into my, ingrained, ingrained into my life. Um, so from but, the business perspective, having that kind of connectivity is a good thing. It allows you to... But you, but, you know, I can see where it would bother some people to be married to their job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I'm very fortunate that I really like what I do. And it kind of keep, keeps the mind active, and it kind of keeps my hand on the pulse, keeps me from being, I don't know, um, lazy. You know, uh, I can identify completely because of the, the line of work that I'm in. Like, I don't te- I teach writing and critical inquiry, so I don't teach like 19th century American literature where they're they're all fucking dead. So like, it's not like <laughs> someone's gonna come out Whitman did a new poem. I gotta get in there. Caught um, that new Melville mixtape, but like the kind of shit that my students want to talk about, and you know that inspires their their work and whatnot. In terms of like when you're talking about analysis, like it all say like for example, I'll use I use an episode the episode of South Park featuring the Jonas Brothers and the Promise Rings. That's how I introduce analytical <laughs> writing. <laughs> it's like what is happening. You know, and I say you you know, and then inevitably a student will be like, oh, well, if you like that, you know, have you seen this? And all of a sudden it's some like web based animated series that. And I'm like, son of a bitch. So, like, I kind of try to keep up with all this. But I also love what I what I do as well. Um, but, like, CMART, you, you, you did some laps in my classroom. So, you I know did, that, yes. like, 
you know, I try, I want to stay not just relevant and current, but like if something is, if something, if people are really jonesing on something and I didn't know about it, like I want to hear about it and then I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and find out as much as I can. So I, yeah, same with me. I, I, from morning till, that's why I don't really, I mean, I've always been a night person, thank God, but I don't, right, I am you know, I don't sleep. I keep getting shit for this in my house, but like, because I'm up. Because, you know, something something new sparks. But I could only imagine what it's like to be you. Right. It's not yeah. unusual for me to be uh, on the computer at 4 a.m. in the morning putting an order in a diamond. Well, like, or even <laughs> what happens when, ma- when when a mass media outlet picks up on a title and then you, like, you ordered X number of units of, say, a particular book. Interesting. It's... And then all of a sudden Bill O'Reilly's pissed that that book's coming out. Yeah. You know you have to run to the fucking computer and order a shit ton of those books and then hope. Well, sometimes because, you, because of that, it... It's sometimes it works for you, sometimes it doesn't. One time it did work for me was uh, Spider-Man 9/11. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it I want to say I bought that here. It was a last-minute <laughs> thing. They didn't tell anybody what the book was going to be, and they had a final order count, which means in three weeks, I had uh, three weeks before they set the uh, print run, and I saw it was 9/11 at the time. You know, there was a big, you know, f- fever mm-hmm. in the country. So I go, okay, I'm going to shoot my wad here. I'm going to buy a lot of them. I mean, to the point of almost three times of what I normally order of a Spider-Man book, which is ungodly. And I don't have a copy left right now. And we sold out of those incredibly. I mean, sometimes you have to react to that immediately. And you don't get a window like that often. And so when something like that happens, you have to jump on it. Uh Speaking from the, the fan perspective, was the death of Captain America the same thing? Because I remember not knowing anything about that okay, until I saw sh- the paper. Okay, that is a short window thing. Yeah. The, as was the 9-11. The Captain America I, one... I remember coming here and getting the last copy, actually. Yeah, but there was also no <laughs> cinematic. There was no Captain America. In the well, here's the thing. Uh, David Gabriel, who's uh, head of sales at, at Marvel, actually told retailers that he was, you're going to want it get more copies of this issue. He didn't say why, but he says, you're going to want to have more copies of this this issue. And it's very rare for someone like him to say that. So I took that with a grain of salt, and I did order more. And even though I ordered more, I did sell out of a lot of them. So sometimes you have to react real quick. You see an opportunity, you got to jump on it, because if you don't, like the Barack Obama Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just got in on that. Just now, if I did, and people were looking for that book. I mean, and I, and if I was more of a cutthroat kind of person, I could have sold them five five dollars a copy when they came out. But you know, I just, I just have a, I have a huge problem with selling something for more than cover price. That that's new. Yeah. Unless it's a variant cover that you can't, you, that's you know limited. But you know. Charging, you know, more than cover price for a new book, I just have a huge problem with that. Just as a, per- just personally, as a fan, you know, I mean, I remember going to a store and just saying, oh, "I want that book, I can't get it," and I don't feel like paying five dollars for a book that's mm-hmm. two fifty. So. Uh, it seems like it's like a lot of, you know, it's kind of like a gamble, like in general, like with you know a business like this where you don't know, you kind of like have a feeling, like, but a lot of that comes from you need to stay on top of the fandom, right? You have to walk a fine line. Because not every you have to understand that everybody has a budget. You know, I mean, sure, I'd love to put twenty dollars on a comic, and you know, hopefully it'll sell. No, not everyone has twenty dollars for a comic. Yeah, nerds are poor. Not only nerds <laughs> are poor, but you know, if if you put the right price on a comic, and they go, yeah, I'll buy that. You know, 
that's good enough for me. You know, I, I don't feel like having it, you know, sit here and just rot in my bag issue bins. Sell it, get it out here, ready for the next week's stuff. That's how it goes. Well, I mean, full disclosure, too, like, this is all, this is our home shop. I mean, I know for me, that's one of the things that I appreciate. Like, I was in here one time, and somebody was trying to buy every, what was left of, of the first printing of Black Panther number one. And, I know that. Uh, and... No, it wasn't like you could get one copy of that, and then you could buy as many of the second printing as you wanted. But like, that was probably Andrew. It was totally. <laughs> Andrew was like, "I want to give everybody who wants a, a first, you know, a first edition of this to get a chance." It's on the. That, that's that's pretty much store policy. I mean, if you want to get if you if you want to get one and maybe another for a friend, that's fine. Okay, if you want to get three or four. Maybe three, but anything more than that, you know, I want to give a shot to everybody who wants to get the book. Yeah, like all of them is a little overkill. Like, I mean, too, we're not going to sell them to three people who are just going to go and flip them and not actually enjoy the book. Mm -hmm. And you can tell when yeah. somebody who's going to flip a book, too, because mm -hmm. that particular gentleman who was in the store that day, because I was here for that, was definitely. Well, we're mostly here for, yeah. for customers who like to read. And what? that's the bottom line right there. I mean,. I got into this business, I mean, I got into comics because I like the stories, I like the heroes, and that's it. I mean, I didn't get into it because, oh, I could make $3 or $4 or $5 off this book. No, no. So fandom. Fandom. So fandom. Yeah. No, I mean, um, there's something to be said about, you know, what you were saying about, you know, staying on top of everything. I mean, a lot of that, I mean, I keep going back to like, I'm the child of the internet, but like, you know. A lot of that, I mean, now isn't it so much easier for you to, like, kind of put your finger on the pulse, like, with the internet? When I, I mean, leave right now tonight, I'm going home, I'm going to tap into the computer, see what sold tonight, see what sold in the last two days, put it on a reorder, reorder list, so I'm still working. And i got to make sure everything's here, because holidays are coming up, and people are, want certain things for certain people, and you got to have it. If you don't have it... You lose it. You lose well, it also, and you're brick and mortar, which you're already fighting a war, being brick and mortar. Ah, you know what? You know, I have no fear of Barnes and Noble or or not even that. I just mean like in other words, like I made the reference to the you know to the Alana and um, Marco action figures. Like, mm -hmm. I knew that I was going to get them here. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go and Amazon Prime them. Which, by the way, they're selling them for much more. So here they're here, folks. <laughs> Great <laughs> deals yeah. at Earth World Comics. Um, but you know what? It's one thing that we come from is a bird in the hand. It's more important. You know, I, I'm sure I can get maybe $60 for um, a $50 action figure set. But you know what? I need that room for the next figure that comes in for next week. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not really into the super collectible. I mean, I'm into trying to make it as many people happy as possible, you know, get what they want. If I can't, if I can order for them, I can. If I can't, well, there's always next time. Um, shifting gears here for a minute. Um, let's think of things from the artistic point of view. What do you think, do you think that having, you know, people being so keyed in on a fandom to the point where they know everything in continuity, like what effect do you think that would have on an artist? Do you think it's like kind of, kind of a limiting effect like you you're 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 basically working in a medium where you're creating everything but at the same time you now have these fences created by this continuity i for me i love when somebody comes along and takes 
and and kicks over the fence of that. Like when a new artist comes along and takes a necessary risk and just says, you know what, everybody, no one's it's and it's not for shock value. It's not like no one's like anticipating who? this. I mean, I'm thinking like fire here. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who? I'm just thinking. Some I'm thinking like All Star Superman. There you go. Okay, yeah. there you go. Right? That's, that's you know, a good like, one. That's, that that's the one that sort of jumped. The out. first the first one that came to my mind was uh, Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Well, that's that was the second thing I was going right. to say. Yeah, um, Alan Moore Swamp Thing. You know, so this idea that like someone comes along and it's not it's not shock for shock value. It's literally like I'm going to test these these characters and then and when it's authentic, then then fans will go along. For the yeah, ride. it shows when like it's inauthentic. It's then everybody right. Kind of backs I mean, you, you can do that for any character right now. Say, okay, this is their real history, and it's not going to work. But you know. Like Alan Moore, it made a lot of sense in every aspect. He thought about it. And, but, you know, you have to, um, it has to, it has to jive with the character in, in particular. Yeah, like I, till this day, don't know how I feel about Grad Metzer, the, the, you know. Yeah, identity, identity crisis? Identity crisis, you know, by having this sort of awful bind, torture, rape, burn, you know, to, to a character who, who used to, you know, they would resolve every issue. Well, at the I end think, of every. Issue, I think know. with everything, there is a bad thing to go along with a lot of good <coughs> things. I mean, sometimes it's important to have that to play off that. So, not that it's important to dwell on that, but to dwell on the effects of that. Um, the other thing that I would say is, um, I mean, from a fan perspective. Um, a lot of what you said kind of leads to gatekeeping, where, you know, people... This is how it's supposed to be, and anybody (laughs) else's interpretation is wrong. I mean, I'm going to go kind of outside the nerd thing and say, um, I'm really into Hamilton. I don't know if anybody cares. Um, The musical, yeah. Yeah, the musical. I'm, like, really into it. And, you know, there's a lot of groups and stuff. Um, I have, like, been witness to several times where somebody, like, misquotes, like, and I'm talking, like, they use the word the instead of of. Or something, and people jump down their fucking throat. I'm like, it's a lyric. Yeah. Like, calm your tits. It doesn't mean that you're better you than this watch. person. Definite articles, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> Definite articles, though. Um, yeah, no, but seriously, it's uh, it's crazy. And I mean, I know uh, Miss Demeanor and I can speak from experience that um, gatekeeping is a lot of what keeps kind of girls out of out of the nerd circle. Sometimes, oh. I mean, like, well, like come on, I mean, girls are yucky. Reference font. <laughs> What, what? By one of our customers. Funt. What's this? Funt. Oh, Funt. Oh. Can, can, you, can you elaborate? Uh, Thorkunt. What? The female Thor. The what? Wow. No, no. Please elaborate. Oh. How did you He's not? He's like a hardcore Thor fan and was furious, absolutely furious, when they decided to make it Jane Foster. There are some people who are very <coughs> macho about their Thor. Yeah. And... Their nose, is, their nose is a little out of whack. <laughs> and now that there's a female Thor, yeah. and this one gentleman in particular just just refuses to accept it. And well, did he say that in front of you? Though? Oh yes. Like, and he. How did you not? Wonder how he voted every, last every week. Every he comes in, he talks about how the it's shit, and I was like, "Have you read it yet?" Well, no, because it's not Thor. I read if the first it issue; shit, it was pretty it good, actually. Quite a long time ago, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I mean, like you know, people who don't give that stuff a chance. And I mean, I know That's I tell the story. Case, though. I tell the he story all the time of the first time I ever walked into a comic book shop, which was not here, of course, in Brooklyn, um, where I'm from. 
walked into my comic book shop and was grilled by the people behind the counter and people in the store. When I walked in, like, you could feel everybody, like, blood dead. They're like, a female, a female. <laughs> yeah, literally. Shame. Shame. Like, literally. my Tic Tacs. <laughs> yeah, no, and, it, uh, you know, they, you know, tested my knowledge. And, I mean, I feel like a lot of girls who I talked to who, you know, have either, I mean, especially me, like, I kind of got into comics later in my life. I was more of a anime person, animation person, and then, but... Because of boobs, yeah. Because of boobs, <laughs> literally, my critically acclaimed boobs. But yeah. So, you know, what a shitty business model. That's the equivalent of like when people used to say in the late '80s that heavy metal bands were putting backmasking messages to their fans to kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. what, what a shitty business model. Like, oh, we're fans and we want our fans to kill themselves. <laughs> you know, what we really need well, in all, fairness, all these kids. Fair, are... <laughs> in all fairness, some fans. Well, yeah, we really need all these kids <laughs> who are giving us their money to die. Yeah. That's what we really need. <laughs> and then once they're all dead, then we'll what? <laughs> Stay. Two question mark. Yeah. I know. I so say, I've walked into other shops, not around here, but like over the years. Like whenever I travel, I try to check out. You know, if there's a shop. Like I was just in St. Louis and I didn't make it out, but because it was like a seven mile, you know, Uber ride to where I needed <laughs> to go. Um, but which, by the way, if you are, if anyone is listening to this and you live in around or near the St. Louis metropolitan area in Missouri, like. Open a fucking liquor store within walking distance from like the arch. Like you have to literally, it's like five miles to the nearest. Liquor Does everything store. close? That's why I always bring my own. Yeah, drinking in the south is always yeah, like, a, you, like a gamble. When you, when you came in on an airplane and then you get like a, a van from the airport to the hotel and then you get to the hotel and you go to the concierge and you're like, excuse me, I just need to know how many blocks to the nearest whatever you call it here, package store, et cetera, et cetera. They're like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, oh. anyway. Um, I wish we didn't live in a dry county. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like, dry county? Yeah. Prohibition's still legal here. What? <laughs> you know, but, like, so I, I go, I, I do check out other shops um, when I travel, if I can. And I, oh, I, hell yeah, I do the same without thing. Without a doubt. And I have walked into some where it's like, wait a minute, you don't have on an ironic T-shirt, or you don't, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 it re you know, it, it it reinforces like the, the sort of comic book guy Simpsons stereotype of like, you know, worst customer ever, you know. I've walked into different comic shops in different cities and I go, Jesus dude, do you even like what you're doing? Right. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, Why are come you on. here? I remember specifically at that same comic book shop that like, you know and meanwhile might I add, like a couple years later, like before I moved here, like the people were like, oh, we're going to miss you so much when you're gone. So hypocrisy at its finest. Um, I remember one this one guy saying to my friend who is also a girl, and I, not that I don't enjoy having you in my store, but frankly, I don't enjoy having you in my store. <laughs> was a real thing that they said. But I had no other options at that time. Like, you know what I mean? That was the only comic book shop in my area, Did surprisingly. Did you a reason why? No. Like, they just, you know, because we were girls. In the store, and we, away yeah, um, and that was, to be fair, that wasn't the actual owner, that was just some other asshole who worked there, but still, sucks, um, I will say Midtown Comics in New York City is actually really nice to all their customers, don't know if it's because it's a tourist thing, or, but I was pretty regular in there, because I worked pretty close to it, and they were always really nice here, and of course, Earthworld makes me feel very welcome. Well, and any business should make any customer feel welcome. Right? Exactly. It's the Disney way, man. Speaking of people no, who... It, 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 it's the, it's, it, no, it's the right, it's no. the right way. Yeah, it's the human way. Yeah, right. It's the human way, yeah. Oh, listen, you little fuckers. You know, yeah. like that. 
No, uh, I, mean, I will add Meltdown uh, to the list of awesome comic shops. We've yeah, they were really cool in there. Foreign places. Where we also witnessed the most bizarre conversation we've ever witnessed ever. Yeah, that was the time Between I Between Jack Black and the guy from D-Antwerp. Oh, hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. And I accidentally like responded to Jack Black, not realizing it was Jack Black. But that's an entirely different story. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird day. Um, but whereas, It was New Year's Eve. We yeah. were in Los Angeles. You can't drop that. Sorry. It was New Year's Eve. We were in Los Angeles. I'm like, hey, let's go to let's go to Meltdown Comics because I want to leave. We some, like to go to comic book stores when we go. Yeah, and leave our travel. stickers. Yeah. And it's another shameless promotion. Yeah, of course. Good yeah. for you. Good Why for you. you. There's a play people sticker on the counter in uh, High Fidelity. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. If you go to Meltdown Comics in Los Angeles... Right at eye level near the register, you will see an Evil Geek sticker. Yeah, and it was still there. You still yeah, it was still it. there. It's been there for a couple of years. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. We were just kind of like walking around, looking at stuff, and this guy comes in with his kid, and like they're and, talking uh, about. Um, yeah, I, I look know. at the dude real quick, and he's got like sunglasses on, and he has his jacket literally on top of his head. But it, he, so I'm just like, okay, it's some crazy dude. Like I'll we're in like two alone. different like sides of the yeah. store at this point. So he's talking to his son. I'm like standing right next to him, looking at like some action figures or whatever. And, and then we see the I see the dude from Deantward come in, who looks. I thought it was Deantward. Whatever Deantward, Deantward, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, he looks exactly like you think he would dress in real life. Yeah, he just he's wearing I shit you not itchy and scratchy like Zubaz pants. Wow. With like a, like a dirty like white tank top and like a or backpack. Like a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, so glad I changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but Jack Black's talking to his son about uh, do you know the app Dumb Ways to Die? Have you ever played it? It's no. really fun. Um but it's well, like you spoiled who the yeah, who that guy was with the jacket on his head. Yeah, well, yeah, we we already spoiled that. Yeah. We're going backwards in the story. It's not spoiler; it's real life. Metachlorians. Yeah, going <laughs> um, back and spoil. And he was talking to his son. It's genetic. He's like, do you know the app Dumb Ways to Die? It's really fun. And I was like, oh my god, that game is so awesome. He's like, yeah, I know, right? And like, then so yeah, I'm like milling me. about just looking through the store, and then I hear him say something <laughs> to his son. And I look up, I'm like, that's fucking Jack Black. And, like, sure enough, it was Jack Black. And then he's, they run into the guy from D'Antward, and they start talking about, like, which New Year's Eve party they're going to that night. Like, he's like, you should come to my house. And I'm just sitting there like, we can go to your house, too? Yeah. Like, We're free. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was cool because after I had that moment with Jack Black, he took off his his glasses and hood, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was actually wearing my uh, my Wolverine. Wait, you couldn't tell the difference between Jack Black and the glasses? I, I mean, I should have known from his you would, you, would, you would think it's like, well, it's like Clark Kent wearing glasses. You wouldn't... You wouldn't no, I come shit on, you Jack not. Black. No, 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 seriously, yeah. seriously. He almost bumped into me, because like, I was wearing... I was just going to say, I was wearing my... Uh, Hulk 172 shirt with you know the Wolverine, you know, Wolverine on the cover. It's like what the Hulk wearing glasses. I well, mean, yeah, well, no, come, come on. No, he's got he had like you know five o'clock shadow. He had glasses on. He had a jacket on his and head. He's with so his I can't. Kids, like, yeah, so, it's like, you know, you so he almost bumps blood. into me. And he's like, oh, nice shirt. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. And like, I didn't even didn't even register with me. Like that was just Jack Black. Yeah, it took us yeah. a while, and then he was like, oh, that's Jack Black, that's Jack Black, and I'm like. I just had a conversation with him by accident. My bad, but anyway. it was it was surreal. Like it's it's Jack Black talking to the guy when from you run into Jack Black at at the comic book shop. There's a joke in there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Two nerds and Jack Black walking, walking to the to comic a, book shop. Yeah, yeah, right. um, yeah. No, but um, what was I gonna say about gatekeeping, comic book shops, and uh, all that stuff? But yeah, I mean, I feel like. You know, it's almost a competition now with fandom. Like, who is Who's more, of a, more fan. of a fan? Yeah, I mean, even I'm guilty of it sometimes. Like, I'm still I came into it later, and yet C. Martin and I are like, man, we like nerdy shit before everybody else. Now New York Comic Con belongs to the dude bros, and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like literally, right? 
<laughs> I mean... If they like it, they like it. If they like it, they like it. That's true. It shouldn't be a competition. Exactly. It shouldn't be. But yet, somehow, it becomes one. So I think that's the danger of it. As long as it's authentic. Authenticity Mm. is is the big thing with me. Like, I, you know, for example, I I was not allowed, my my mother's then evil husband did not allow me to go to Lollapalooza 91, right? (laughs) So so Jane's addiction to Is he still evil or? He's no longer, he hasn't been in the picture for many years. So, so he's no longer evil. Is it the year they, no, I think they no, came to Saratoga still, on that I'm tour. sure he's still an evil fuck. Yes, it was Saratoga. What month was, in 91 uh, was it? And I was living in the Poughkeepsie area. So it was in the summer. Yeah. Summer in 91. I, I probably wasn't born yet. That's all right. <laughs> so then I went to, I went to 92. And 92, to give you, in, you know, like Pearl Jam was the second band on the whole, like it was, the first band on was Lush. Wow. Second band was Pearl Jam, Right. Third band was uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. Like another, so there was still, but the thing was that I had I knew these these bands before I went to Lollapalooza in '92. I missed that first one. So already in '92, though, you had a few people who were kind of like, well, I think this is supposed to be really cool, so we're gonna go. Like for example, like my go-to outfit in high school was a band t-shirt, jeans, and either Converse or, like, Docs. I'm literally like, wearing oh my, my go-to too. outfit in high school because it's yeah. still and my if, go-to yeah, outfit. Wait, and if it was cold too. in the morning, you wore, like, a flannel shirt or something, and then when it got warm out later on in the day, in September, as the case may be, then you tied it around your waist, right? And then you had other people who were, like, wearing z jeans and all, like, prepped out. And then all of a sudden, Lollapalooza 93, I come back from, you know... The, the summer of seeing Lollapalooza in 93, which was Art, uh, Alice in Chains, Primus, Dinosaur Jr., Arrested Development. Was, you know. Still a really nice line. Still a nice yeah. But then we come back, and so now it's my it's the beginning of my senior year of high school, and everybody who was all like Zeke Cabarucci, you know, hey man, you know, like drenched in Dracar, is suddenly dressed like us. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the same exact feeling I got at New York Comic Con this year. Yeah, the thing that bothered me about New York is, like, you know, I'm all for people getting into comics. Like, I think that's awesome. I'm all for people getting into video games and stuff that I like because, I mean, that just means more people to geek out with. But the problem that I had was I ran into a girl from high school who literally made fun of me for liking Pokemon who was dressed as fucking Pikachu. Right. And that shit is just, like, I just want to, like, flip them off, just, like, mm, like raise your middle fingers. There was a great band called Perfect Thyroid that used to run the sort of New Pulse Kipsy, all you know, they um, and we're seeing the stickers like in bars, yeah, around yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> and they were always perfect thyroid, perfect thyroid, perfect thyroid. All of a sudden, you. you know, fast forward, they got a little bigger, and people start going, like, You going to see thyroid tonight? <laughs> like, let me stop you right there. <laughs> or the time I yelled, Primus sucks at a Primus show, and somebody turns around, and was like, Fuck you, dude. I'm like, You do understand, right? Like, Primus sucks, that's like a battle cry. That's yeah, it's if a thing. You love yeah. Primus, you scream, Primus sucks, they get it. But yeah, I'll never forget. I'm like, Primus sucks. The guy's like, what the fuck are you doing here then? Come at me, bro. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I will say, side note, one of my favorite live musical moments ever was uh, Bonnaroo in 2008. Les Claypool, Kirk Hammett, and all of Gogol Bordello. Playing nothing but <laughs> playing nothing but Tom Waits songs all night. Oh, Gogol yeah. Bordello is going to be the best show amazing. I've ever seen. Yeah. Hands that down. does sound good. Yeah. That is like right up to... Like, Sting and Elvis Costello singing Allison, that, and then uh, John Paul Jones, Questlove, and uh, Ben Harper playing uh, Led Zeppelin songs all night at Super Jam. Are you talking about Elvis this past show? No, this uh, was Elvis at uh, at SPAC in like 2000, 
ten, maybe. But we were at that most recent. When the police show. opened for them. Vice versa. He opened. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Elvis opened for the police. No, I was just gonna joke because I rushed the stage at the most recent Elvis show. Easiest stage rush in the history of rushing <laughs> the stage. It was just like... nobody's expecting it at Elvis Costello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh I, so and, and one more tangent, and then we'll move on. Uh, that '93 Lollapalooza lineup. Um, two important things. One is a fairly unknown band from Los Angeles had been moved from the side stage because they couldn't accommodate <coughs> the crowds at the side stage anymore to the first band on the main stage. A little band called Rage Against the Machine. So, and, yeah, yeah. So, and I always show up early for everything, so I got to see them like sort of hands on the barrier. And the third band on actually was Tool touring Undertow. You haven't lived until you've seen Tool in the middle of the fucking afternoon in broad daylight in July. <laughs> oh my God. I saw Tool at like wow. midnight in the middle of Tennessee in a field and I'm still like But do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, shocked. Picture just seeing Tool. It's like it's like 1239. There's somebody standing next to you with like a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hot out. It's, it's time it's to July. eat lunch. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fucking jarring, I will say. Um. <laughs> There's fandom for you right there. Yeah, yeah. um... But um, I don't as far know. as fandom goes, um, I mean, as far as our, our, our position is, we, we misdemeanor here. She used to work. She worked here for a while and then she left. But I mean, she probably has some interesting perspectives. I never um, knew. I never knew that you worked here and then you left. She worked Life's and started. she left. I started here in two thousand three and left in two thousand nine. And you worked where? In between here right. and here. You worked at a game store? Yes. And? Oh, cleaning toilets. <laughs> well, I'm sure you did other things besides cleaning toilets. I mean, at the game store. No, I'm talking about the game store. What did you do at the game store? Oh, um, I don't know. I didn't stay there very long. What are your observations from there? Uh, they're very unprofessional for a corporation. Which which place was this? GameStop. GameStop. <laughs> Duly noted. We'll not. We'll not send so, it. So I always feel like GameStop's more of a frat than a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. on a fucking credit card. That's weird. Yeah. That's you weird. don't get a paycheck. You don't get the direct deposit or whatever. Maybe you can now, but when I was there, it was on the stupid card that would charge you. That's so weird. Fuck. They have, they charge you like maintenance fees and like shit like that for this card. Um, I don't know. I wasn't there long enough. Ugh. Um. Yeah, I feel like. That, that being said, gamers, kind of jumping off of that, gamers are kind of some of the most scary fan, like, games are well, so scary. We have dudes in Korea, like, dying from playing games, like, 48 hours in a row. Like, fragrant, what do you mean? No, I mean, it's scary for a girl Odoriferous. to be, especially for a girl to be into games, because, um, like, I remember playing on Xbox Live and... Like, having guys be like, yeah, fuck you. I'll fuck you right in your pussy. And I'm like, I'm fucking just trying to play Call of Duty. Like, what even? I'm so glad you found the right art. shit like that on the internet, too. So there's no misogyny and harassment quite like the misogyny and harassment that you experience on Xbox Live. It's it's, it's homegrown. Yeah, and it's like 12-year-olds, too. So between the game store and a comic store, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I like it here more. No. As far as the people. I like the fans here more. Why? Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe competition. Let's start with the basics. Like, gamers who are competing. Well, there's some fans that are the same. Like, they like games and comics. Mm -hmm. But, But what did you notice about about the people that come here about the comics? Uh, I don't know. They're nice. Just because you, (laughs) you don't... 
as a rule, you, you don't have a history of comics and reading them. More is um, you have a history of fantasy and horror. But just <clears throat> dealing with people who deal with comics, your thoughts? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you I'd know. say it depends on the day. I'd say, though, that, I mean, I feel like gamers isolate themselves more. So they are, I feel like gamers are well, more socially awkward than Competition comic book is people. built into the fandom. Yeah, like that's you're, not necessarily true. Comic book people are just as awkward, but they have to, you know, force themselves to come out if they like the paper instead of ordering their books online. But I feel like, I feel like this is a safe space for comic book people. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like even, like, you know... Do you notice, like, people here are, like, you know, more willing to talk? Like, you know, You understand that sort of sometimes stuff. it takes weeks and months and years of saying the same thing to the same person before they actually have a conversation with to, you. That's true, to yeah. To develop a relationship mm-hmm. with them. Because some people There was just... one dude that was straight up rude to me until he happened to mention years. Years. Uh, <laughs> I, he mentioned a garage sale or garage sailing or some shit like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, where's this? You know, because he was all excited about it. And then after that, he was sweet as pie to me. For that, rude as fuck. It's I just say garage people... sailing sounds like the greatest Olympic event. Well, sometimes <laughs> you just people just don't know. Like, no how well, sometimes you got to just connect with the right person with the right thing. Exactly, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes people are just all about getting their shit and getting the fuck out. They don't really care about... You They're know, called men. You have to, <laughs> sometimes you have to find a meeting of the minds, and once you have that, then everything else is easy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, at, I really feel like, you know, when we do comic book shows and stuff, too, like, you know, there are some people, I mean, it just depends on the type of person, I guess, because, I mean, there are some people who, you know, will come up to me, we're sitting there with, like, all our stuff, and they'll try and mansplain comic books to me, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm clearly sitting here dressed in a costume from the fucking thing. Do you really think we can, I'll put in all the time and money? No, your boyfriend must have made you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just the booth, babe. From experience, from this perspective, as far as living the 24-hour life, living the, the constantly connected con life definitely wears you down. Oh, my God, literally. Like I said, yeah. in October, I think that every weekend we had a show, which is, it's great. And, like, you know what? I'm not shitting on, you know, opportunities that we get. That's great. But I said to C-Mart, for next convention season, we can't fucking do it. I'm going to die. Ju- we just did our last show of the year last weekend. Ooh. And, yeah, no joke, driving home, I wanted to cry just from joy of being, like, <laughs> I, feel like I have the free Saturdays at least for the next like, couple of months. Like, I paid my dues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Us. Yeah, we, we got to do that uh, uh, six to six days a week here. So. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, we really feel for you. We you only have to come you. here, though. You don't have to travel like halfway across New York or to Minnesota. Yeah, and meet or, new people. Uh, yeah, like, but we have the quantity of amount of people coming in. So. That's true. That's yeah, true, yeah, that's true. And you know, you have the added, you know, stress of you making sure that you, like you said, are satisfying your customers and like you know, uh, making sure you have like all that stuff in stock. And you know, whereas we are just assholes that show up with our stuff. And we're like, yeah, buy our prints or there. But yeah. like what I was saying is like it's gotten to the point where like it's sometimes it's just not fun. It's just like fuck, I have to do this. I know this is supposed to be a fun well, thing. That's where I'll go. Well, we have fun yeah, doing yeah, exactly. it. I'll, I'll correct you on that. Convention that, soda, as we yes, like to say. It's, it's, pre- it's the preparation that we're like, fuck. Like, and then once we're there, we're like, all right, this is fun. But like, it's just the lead up to it. Like, you have to fucking psych yourself up for this shit because... Kind just of knowing, like, is. I have to work five days at my real job this week. It's so, As soon as I get out, I have to drive to God knows where, spend, you know, money on a hotel for the whole weekend, and, you know, work... 
for like 12 hour days. Imagine doing yeah. all of that, See, that but also having to wear a corset. I, yeah. <laughs> because I go, okay, another day at the store. I, I love what I do. I mean, I hate to brag, but you know. It's pretty fucking clutch. It, it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, I will say, like, uh, like she was just saying, like, I always get to that point, though, where before I'm like... No one's oh. coming up to you and be like, oh, JC, I'm going to need to see those sales reports before you take Yeah, can I see your TPS report? <laughs> like, when I get to the point, like, I'm just angry, I don't want to do this, but when I get there, like, that's when it sets in, well, like, okay, no, it's, not that. it's fun, like, okay, I do enjoy this. It's not that, because people come in, they look for books, and you steer them toward the books they like, and they're happy, and that's, that's a good day. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what it is. Once I get to that point... Like it, it kind of you know, it reminds me of why I do like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, it is still like just talking to people, like people who I know don't normally get to talk about comics in their real life. Like right. you know, they're talking to us about it, like stuff like that. I really do enjoy. Yeah, it do you know it doesn't people? happen every day. I mean, for example, I mean, I, I spent twenty minutes with a guy here who who wanted to know. He goes, "I want to get a comic book with a, a Spider-Man versus the Hulk he was from also the seventies." Stunk like dirty piss. <laughs> As opposed to clean piss, which was, goes for about fifty dollars an ounce, uh, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of, of whether he smelled or whatever. Tried tried to see if we yeah, got to help bad. him out, but we didn't have it. I mean, we couldn't really help him out because he was just so vague in what he wanted. But, Slurring and like, give me, give but, me the comic with the but, name. But if he probably but, found it, he like look at the price and like, oh, I can't. But you know what? <laughs> Despite even that, I didn't mind helping him because I'd rather do that than. Or disappoint someone else at some other job and you know i mean and it's something that you're passionate about so you get to like kind of immerse yourself in that sometimes it's better to hear bad news from someone who knows what they're talking about yeah <laughs> um, i will say it's never the it's never the fans that wear on me it's it's the super the, fans well no it's the other it's the other like business people in that venture who want to enact petty you know grudges and you're, still things like you're that. preaching to the choir man you don't yeah. gotta tell me <laughs> yeah um, that's that's what grinds on me. Like talking with fans, I can do that all day. That's always fun. Um, you know, uh, I was saying, you know, you were saying like people who don't get to talk about it in their everyday life. Um, you'd be surprised how many people we meet at these shows who come up to me, come up to us in general, and they're like, "It's so cool that you guys, you know, do this together as a couple." Because my wife hates comic books and like wants me to throw out all my collectibles, and that shit's awful. I, like, can't really, you embrace yeah. it? First of all, don't discount that at all. It's awesome to have a couple. Hey, yeah, who's into trying to go for. Oh, <laughs> I I, don't. So that was a high five, guys. When I was in St. Louis for this conference, it was a Midwest Modern Language Association. I gave a paper on Kamala Khan and Ms. Oh, Marvel cool. and, um, that know, is awesome. and this, this idea of comics as a, as a seemingly innocuous pop culture genre doing some real interesting sort of critical work out there in the world. Um, and there was an editor, a publisher. Uh, I didn't know he was an editor for this press. I was like every conference they had like the book room. And so you kind of go in there and be like, take my money. <laughs> so, so I'm going from table to table. And this guy starts talking to me and he turned out to be, he's an 85 year old editor for this small academic press. And he's like, well, what are you working on now? Like, what are you presenting here? And I tell him and he's like, interesting. And you know, we start talking and talking about it. And finally he goes like, are you married? I go, yeah. He goes to a, to a guy? I said, no. Goes, <laughs> are you sure? Because it looks like you are. are you sure? And yeah. he's looking at me and he goes, are you, what are you, in your 30s? I'm like, I'm 40. He goes, well, what are you doing with this kid's stuff? Like, and he's, you know, 85. And, um, and I'm like, well, you know, like, whatever, dude. Like, yeah. relax. You know, yeah, like, so, yeah. Why does it bother you? Like, why, yeah. Why Is it 1986 not? again? Why am I getting yelled at for liking comics? Like, I mean, trust me, but then he, then he <laughs> went down this sort of, this whole exploration of he told me like he's you know very victorian in his you know 
ethics. He's one of those really. steampunk people. <laughs> not, no, not no. This guy. It was more like okay. Literally during the conversation, he goes, "You got to be somewhere." And I said, "Well, you know, I have some time." Why? He goes, "I got to piss." He's like, "Walk with me." So the next, <laughs> oh my god! You're walking with like Truman, who's dictating, yeah. like you know, uh, the dictating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, oh. yeah. I mean, it would have been more fun if it was like that alleged, you know, Hunter Thompson, Richard Nixon bathroom <laughs> scene <laughs> in Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. Um, but yeah, you know, this idea, but but yeah, this idea that like you can't be, you know, into the kinds of stuff that we're into and have a relationship with somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with cosplay too, the people are like, why are you playing dress up? And I'm like, well, it's not that, it's me creating and, you know. It's an art form, you know, if you do it the right way. And, you know, it's me embracing my fandom. And, it's, you know, some people just don't fucking get it. Like, you know, so with that with that 24-hour fandom comes kind of, you know, the people who are judging you for well, and here's, engaging. And maybe this is a new conversation based on this whole idea of fandom. But what pisses me off, though, is if I had turned around and be like, I fucking love insert name of football team here. I have a room in my house that's outfitted with nothing but paraphernalia and everything else. Well, that's true. Uh, you know, <laughs> about this football team. I yeah. live, breathe, eat shit, fucking die this football team. But that's not weird. Yeah, you, you should you waste your time. Like, it'd be like, oh, all right. I understand he's a super fan, right? But if, like, if, if you're one of us... Like, aren't you supposed well, to outgrow yeah, that? I'm like, weren't you supposed yeah. to outgrow pop war football? Yeah, you're wasting your time with comics and video games. Excuse me while I go update my fantasy football right. You lose your <laughs> shit when some yeah. 23-year-old guy that you'll never meet, like, leaves your team, right? Yeah. As if reading comics isn't, you know, you being literate. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you're reading. Like, that's okay. great. Appreciating art at the same exactly. time. Exactly, and appreciating Two art. Forms of art. Two, well, two forms. You're preaching to a Mets fan, so I'm there, and I'm always going, oh, hey, yes, please, listen. please look a little bit better. And so I've been there, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm a diehard Rangers fan, and, you know, my family, Ew, you know, loves, what? <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> I know, yeah, I don't like winning. I like the Mets, and I don't like the Rangers, so. Literally. Wait, you don't like the Mets? I said I like the Mets, oh, and I like the Rangers, so I don't like winning. Atta girl. Atta girl. Yeah, that's okay. I'm loyal. Brooklyn. Um, yeah, Brooklyn. Where Brooklyn, Brooklyn yo. Brooklyn. Yeah. Top of the food chain. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, it's funny because like my dad is so diehard Rangers, but yet has a hard time kind of being like, like, he's like, LOL, you and your comics. But your like, dad's kind of a Star Trek nerd too at the yeah, same time. That's yeah. the thing that, that gets me too, is he makes fun of me for all my nerdy shit, yet him and my mom claim to fall, have fallen in love during Wrath of Khan, so. Come Who on, didn't dad. fall in love with <laughs> Ricardo Montalban in yeah. Wrath of Khan? I mean, yeah. Which Which Corinthian leather. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I bought him. <laughs> For, for Christmas a couple of years ago, maybe last year, I don't know, I bought him like a, like a Blu-ray pack of um, like Star Trek movies, and he was so fucking excited that he kept like watching. My mom was like, "Well, thanks for that." Like, but he you know, your balls about comics. <gasps> well, you know what? He took me to my first comic book convention, so I can't really complain. This yeah, is he had your no fault. idea. Yeah, no, he I had, learned it by watching you. Yeah, no, he had no. To be fair, he had no fucking idea what a comic convention was. He had just gotten tickets from some Steve. Uh, Steve Jeppy was his client at the time. Oh, really? My dad worked. Uh, he um, did sports lithographs. Um, that was his like side business. He's a computer guy, um, and Steve Jeppy like was one of his like people. Like you know, he commissioned stuff from him. Him and my dad became tight. And he said, hey, look, I'm the owner of Diamond Collectibles. Here you go. Here's some tickets to Baltimore Comic-Con. My dad was like, hey, your 16th birthday's coming up. Let's take you and your best friend to Comic-Con. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Let's go. And, of course, I wasn't, like, super into comics at the time. And I was like, oh, all the anime stuff, like a dumbass. And, you know, 
someone was talking to me about like Green Lantern and I'm like, yeah, Justice League Unlimited. And they're like, well, fuck you. You don't know shit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, you know, I was just like purely, you know, I was I'm into just, my thing and I didn't want to hear anything about anything else. So was, I'm just like giggling inside my own because I remember when you used to have to look in the back of certain comic books in the 80s to find it wasn't cons, it was conventions or whatever. Like, yeah. my first experience was at the Plaza Hotel in New York City, and it was a Star Trek slash comic book convention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Baltimore Comic Con now looks way fucking different than Baltimore Comic Con did then. I mean, there was, you know, it was just people with their with their boxes of stuff and, you know, just merchandise. And I mean... I can't even think of my first. In 1976, I went to a New York Comic Con. And let me tell you it was something. before it was New York Comic Con, really. Who Whatever it was, it was, it was a Comic Con there. And one of the things, uh, it, it just totally blew my mind. I go, as much as a fan as I thought I was, I go, fuck, <laughs> these people are so into this. Yeah, you're and I actually, big. And I actually went to a, a chalk talk, as they called it then, and Frank Frazetta was there. Oh, wow. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Now, Frank Frazetta did a chalk talk. Now, think about that for a second. What's a chalk talk? Is that like a panel? A chalk talk is someone who, where... <laughs> who actually stands there and draws something in front of an audience. That's fucking awesome. Why don't they do that The now? amazing thing was Frank Frazetta stood there and did a painting using nothing but a knife. And it was the most amazing thing. As he talked, he'd scoop some paint with his knife and just scrape it across the canvas and slowly but surely you, you saw it come together you go oh my god this is awesome so it's like kind of like a live like a drawing but also a panel yes it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen I, I've never seen that picture anywhere else but I mean it took maybe about an hour and it was the most amazing painting I've ever seen why don't huh. people do that more that's yeah, like that's that's I wish cool. I could like go see but something like that I, I don't know where that painting went I don't know where it is but it was just amazing and it made just your mouth just drop yeah, so it watching. makes it that much more special though it was only for the people in that room that day how many right. people were in that room that day I would say maybe there was about two to maybe three hundred people not that many. That's kind of like yeah. six and a half, almost seven billion people on the planet. Yeah, there were probably two right. or three hundred people There's two to three hundred people who, who had that time. same experience. I, mean, I, I, I wish I had a... I mean, at the time. I mean, it would be like you with the big-ass camera. If you, saw, like... if you saw him do it, it was the most amazing thing. That's great. To see everything just come to life. Yeah. And him just taking this little knife and just scraping back and forth. And just everything just coming solid and three-dimensional. And you were just... Your mouth just dropped open. It was just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And, and, you know, building off what you said, I was, you were saying, like, you know, people are really into this. Like, you're never as big of a fucking fan as you think you are. Because there's always right. somebody there's who's always... There's always somebody who's deeper into it. There's always someone yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, sometimes I, like, get my shit in check with, like, Green Arrow, and I'm like, whoa, I fucking thought I knew everything, and now you people... There is a guy who comes to the store. I haven't seen him in two years. But he will buy anything and everything with an ape in it. It doesn't matter what company. Ape in it. This is great. It doesn't Harabe. matter what company. <laughs> it doesn't matter what company. He died for her sins, Harabe. He was in seventh heaven for Marvel apes. He loved it. I was in the uh, the audience at the Cup of Joe where they announced that. But <laughs> this guy will buy nothing but ape comics. Anything with an ape, he'll buy it. It's there. He'll pay whatever price it is. 
amazing. I wonder where he is. Maybe he's like living among them or something. With like, all. I, like yeah. I said, I'll see him once in a great while. He'll just pop right up. He goes, what do you got? And I just try to go in my memory and see, okay, well, there's this. I feel like every time he comes in, you should be playing like the Tarzan, the Disney Tarzan soundtrack like Phil Collins, <laughs> just that top volume. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, I totally meant to go back to this. When you were talking about people who live at Disney life, it's like a fucking cult. Like, I, you know, uh, yeah. you're never as big of a fan as you think you are. I'm pretty into Disney, especially the park stuff, because I just find all that shit fascinating, like animatronics, huge Haunted Mansion fan. I have just a fucking tattoo. think about the Hall of Presidents going forward. Uh, I fucking hate that ride, just because my parents have ruined yeah, it for Trump? me. Exactly. I was going to say, think they about this. They now have to immortalize Trump. He will be in the goddamn Hall of Presidents. I don't even think about that. <laughs> like, when you get that ruler in school with all the presidents on it, his face is going to be. We're not going to even think about him being in the. Yeah, you need that shot. After that <laughs> yeah, um, that's going to take a minute. To say I, I, as much of a Disney fan that I think I am, um, there's a group. I, I mean, I spy on like a lot of Disney groups, especially on Facebook. Disney brides are fucking cult. It's scary. Like, well, yeah. first of all, do you know how much money it is to get married in Disney? What are Disney brides? People who um, there are Disney. Um, you can get married in Disney World. <laughs> Or Disneyland, they have. You can get married in Disney World. There is a wedding pavilion specifically, (laughs) and these packages are fucking. I'm sure that's not going to fly. You have to sell your internal organs. Okay, you you have to pay for these Disney packages. Yes, I think the cheapest one is like thirty thousand dollars. I looked it up. And that's like you have five people at your wedding, and Mickey shows up. Like you know what I mean? It's like what? Some dude in a rat costume marries you, and yeah, it's like, and you can have five people there. For five thousand dollars, I'll put a rat costume. on. I have a friend who's getting married in the Living Seas in Epcot. And she was like, I got the smallest package, and I'm having like five people at my fucking wedding. It sucks. Like, but, I was you make know, a small package joke people, there, but I think it speaks yeah. for itself. But, yeah. If anyone out there wants to get married, uh, 2017 on Free Comic Book Day, we're open. We'll, we'll, we will accommodate. Challenge? You know what? We'll go challenge, half off. Challenge. It'll only cost $15,000. We even have someone to marry you. And I mean, ordained. They oh, just, nice. um, they, I was reading, they, they just released a thing where now you can get married. At night, in the park, in front of the thing. But it's like, it's when the park's closed. So you're getting married at like fucking three in the morning in front of Cinderella Castle. Like, who the fuck wants that for themselves? Like, it's, Okay, Cinderella like Castle, Danny. three a.m. in the morning. I got it. Yeah, right. But like, you it. can't go to any of the rides. And it's like, uh, you know, all your guests have to wake up that fucking early. Well, and the there's party. another ride you're going to go out after three o'clock. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. At three in the morning, you may as well go to Vegas. There you exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, you can have Elvis marry you there. That's probably yeah. less money. Um, <laughs> I'm staying very quiet because I just don't. I've never understood the Disney. Like I, I've the Disney life. To, I've been to the park. I went once. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say yeah. in, in that defense of that, like I, no I mean, the last time it's I went okay. to a Disney World resort before a few years ago was. 1988, when I was in fourth grade. Yeah, but I said I was so fucking excited. We to went bring to Disneyland, Disneyland like two years ago, and I had a ton of fun. Like it, it's. I was in Disneyland in 1979, but like Disneyland's not as exciting as World. Though. I mean, it's different now because like you can meet Captain America. Like I, I will throw her under the bus. She cried when we met Thor. Shut up! Oh my God. <laughs> he was just okay. Well, first of all, let me tell the whole story. Wasn't the real Thor, was it? No, it wasn't. But he was pretty. Um, it wasn't. But oh, literally. Was it fun? So, like, we go into this thing, and it's, um, you know, Disneyland has the luxury um, of having California. the Marvel character. Yeah, yeah. It, it's California. When you and, leave it, you're in California. Yeah, yeah well, um, they can have Marvel characters in the Disney parks there, 
which now Disney World is starting to, like, you know, cut around the edges. But the thing with in Florida is Islands of Adventure, which is Universal, which is their direct competitor, owns, Mar- like, has rights to have a Marvel in their parks. So we're going there after wait, Christmas. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, so basically, <laughs> like, Disney. Long story short, Disney World can't have any Marvel but characters in it because of Universal Studios. But really? Disneyland, because it's in California, Why? because Islands of Adventure in Universal's um, has they have Marvel rights, rides yeah. and they have the rights to it. Like they Disney World can't have it, even though they own Marvel. <sighs> anyway, so it's like this crazy contract thing. Even I don't fucking understand. Marvel it. lives matter. Yeah, exactly, Marvel yes. Lands matter. Um, but we went to Disneyland, and they have this thing. It's called Interventions, which in Disney World is an entirely separate thing. But in Disneyland is basically a Marvel meet and greet, and they have like you can look at props from the movies. They you have like put the on Tony the Iron Stark Man. like Hall of Armor. We have like yeah, where all it's the all Iron the. I will. I uh, literally I will send C Mart the picture so he can post it with this. It's literally like all of the fucking mm. Iron Man suits, and you can wear it like virtual reality. You can I would do prefer that. A Tony Stark tastes the tequila. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but then you I'm can so meet, down for that. You can meet a certain amount of Marvel characters. Like, I think they had meet and greets with Loki. Um, they had meet and greets. We met with, um, we met Captain America. Oh, Mike Pence was there? <laughs> so it's people cosplaying as... Yeah, it's the people, it's the people um, who work for the parks. They, yeah. they call them face characters. So the, that's what it was. But we did this thing just to get pictures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I know. I'm showing them pictures of the, uh, the Hall of Armor. Yeah, um, it's, oh. I took it in landscape mode, too, because I was like, all of the things. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's right? Awesome. <laughs> so we go, so to meet, cool. we go to meet um, Thor, but we didn't we didn't know we were going to meet Thor. I just thought I was looking at cool props from the They're Thor. They're just like, yeah, come this way, like, stand they're here. They're in glass cases, like, the one that is right in front of me, and, you know, they're like, oh, my God, oh, Loki's it's, scepter. Yeah, it's like, th- like Loki's helmet, Loki's scepter. The guy who works it looks at me and goes, you've never been here before, have you? I go, no. He goes, you're gonna like this. You're gonna like this. All of a sudden, like, a strobe light comes on. They're like, you are transporting to the radio yeah, bridge. Yeah, smoke fills the room. The walls <laughs> fold the away. Wall, like, the walls just break you like know lightning. The, you, you know what the, the correct uh, response to, are you Thor? Is... No, but my tongue is kind of numb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. But yeah, so, all of a sudden you're in Asgard. Like yeah, you're in the throne room of Asgard. As, like the wall just cracks sure away. Make you Asgard, not Asgard. Asgard, yeah. Asgard. You're I've in actually Asgard. had someone actually get really upset for me to Was me at the, the store. When it, when it, no, someone else. <laughs> who I refer to Asgard as Asgard. And you, no, it's Asgard. <laughs> it's not Ra's al Ghul. It's Ra's al Ghul. That's always Same a people. fun argument between customers. But now um, I, I, I have to. Do you ever just stir the pot? I would. <laughs> yes. um, depends on the day. It depends on the day. Um, only on days that end why. Um But yeah, so basically lightning, thunder, and all of a sudden the wall just cracks. And you're in the throne room and Thor's just standing there. And I'm like, <gasps> and I just start crying. And the guy goes, are you crying? <laughs> You're crying. <laughs> I'm like openly weeping, like not just crying. Somewhere and there's a picture sister, of her with Thor crying. You're yeah, like literally, like you could tell I was crying in the picture. And his sister's cracking you're up a laughing. Total goof, you know? It was our anniversary. <laughs> I was crying. It was. It there's was the picture with us in Captain so America. Here yeah, too. I just look like such a fucking no. derp head. Like I'm just like Eat. no. So yeah, no. I mean, even Disney can give you your Marvel fantasies too. I mean, like not in Orlando. Apparently. Not in Orlando, <laughs> but. How awesome is it? It's just a dude dressed He's up so as Captain America. He's so beautiful. Like... <laughs> well, that was, yeah, Captain America. You know, if I, could wear, one, if I could wear that costume every day, I would. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, you got you to go what? through Actually, the... I wear, like, a nondescript shield uniform. <laughs> I would absolutely wear that every we day. We sell these Captain America shirts, and I, I have to warn you, when you wear these Captain America shirts, there's one hanging up right over there. I see it. Now, 
depending on your body shape, when you wear it, it's not going to look very flattering, yeah. especially with it's the stripes on it. You it's know, the material. Too. The, it's the like star up material. the top looks good. When it comes to the stripes, it looks very expansive. <laughs> and that's the best that's the best way I can describe it. So wow. if you're gonna buy a t shirt, I would kind of steer away from a Captain America shirt. That one especially. What you're saying with the shield uniform. Any I, uh, Captain America shirt that yes. I actually have on my winter coat, I have a shield. Go with a venom. On like the front <laughs> pocket, and I have a, a very like subtle on the lapel, like a shield lapel pin. And I've had people ask me, like, oh, what is that what is that insignia for? I'm like, oh well, that's shield from the Marvel Universe. Like, um No no, no I said I just had a flashback to when we were in California as well, that the people who um, worked, usually like, you know, the character attendants are like dressed with these doofy ass like fucking vests that are like plaid and shit. And like the people in the Marvel thing were dressed as agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they have like these S.H.I.E.L.D. badges. They had these cool badges and C-Mart was like, where can I get a badge like that? And like, I'm an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Chris, (laughs) C-Mart's literally like, no, what the fuck? Yeah, no, like, drop the character. I, I want to buy that. Yeah, badge. He's like, no, this is only for agents of shield. Yeah. I remember. I remember. He's arguing with the guy. He's like, like I a need ten year old kid. Yeah. He's getting annoyed. I remember two years ago at the New York Comic Con, uh, Jim Steranko was there, and they were actually selling in another booth uh, shield badges with IDs. So I have the magnet, the fridge magnet. It's like a metal shield no, logo. I, yeah, <laughs> and the Hydra one what too. What you do is you actually sit there, and they give you this really cheesy gray suit to put on. It, it, it just goes right over you and you just t- have the pictures. <laughs> it's like a smock. It's so, not even so, a suit. Yeah, it's like a smock. <laughs> so it's like an ID. So you you have it there. So I actually took it and I brought it to Jim Serenko. I mean, who else could authorize something like that? Yeah. Uh, and he authorized it. He thought it was kind of cool. And, but yeah, yeah, that's deep thing. <laughs> it's the second time somebody's mentioned Jim Serenko to me today. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we just did a con with him a couple weeks ago. I did not see him once. <laughs> he's freaking amazing yeah he, he is absolutely amazing I mean <laughs> they had like a VIP dinner where you could have had dinner with him and it was like 200 bucks you know what I'll pay 200 bucks for dinner with Steranko just to just to let him talk for two hours and I'll just write everything down what he says I mean I, I've seen his Twitter but this guy is awesome I went to New York Comic Con and he would not take any photographs with anybody really no he would not I actually stuck a couple photos with him and uh, Basil Gogos, who did the cover. I know well, Basil yeah, Gogos. Basil Gogos yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I, was actually I will say, actually, I'll give a shout-out. Today is his uh, longtime girlfriend's birthday, Linda Tooby. Uh, yeah, happy birthday, Linda. Linda. She's awesome, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hot piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the funny thing is, is uh, Storenko would not have any photographs taken with him, unless you're a hot chick. <laughs> then it's all about the There camera. is this girl who dresses like, uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, Contessa, um, uh, Nick Fury's girlfriend. Whatever. Oh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, was yeah. dresses her, and he proudly stood stood next to her and had a picture taken. But other than that, and the funny thing about him was, uh, I don't know if you remember that his uh, calendar from one year, he did a, did a calendar with different uh, photos. But what he did was he actually took, he ripped off every picture and sold every picture solo from the calendar. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's Steranko. You know, I'll give him, you know, not everybody I'll give that much leeway to, but it's Steranko. I mean, hell, he only did, what, 20 plus stories in comics and still he, yeah. he's innovative. But, you know, wife absolutely hated him. She hated him. She was, he was so full of shit. I go, 
dude, it's Steranko. I yeah. mean, she doesn't understand. It's a fanboy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> 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 Our microphone's pretty strong, so I don't doubt it. I think um, it's, this is the second episode in a row where we've mentioned Basil Gogos, I think. Just because in the last one I mentioned that one of my favorite pieces of art that I've ever bought in a con was uh, he did a pencil sketch of Godzilla. They just kind of shaded green. And oh, you own that? I own it, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? We yeah, own yeah, that. Yeah. I own the T-shirt of, um, I don't fucking know what it is, but oh, it's hell, like a vampire. Oh, a T-shirt out of that drawing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a we vampire have, uh, girl. We have a print of his uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's hanging on my side of the bed. In our bedroom, um, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein. And cool. also, um, I have the T-shirt, um, which is like, apparently the only one that they had left. Like, Linda was like, oh, we don't even make these anymore, so good shit. It's like a vampire girl, like, and she's like, you know. Oh, it's one of, one of the Dracula's brides. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it was interesting. Is it, bringing it all back around you know, to the like, 24-7. Back to the topic, yeah, we actually yeah. notice how our conversation has devolved slash evolved into a conversation about literal material objects created by the artist himself. Like, in other words, like, the Phantom artist touched, people. Yeah, but, but not, you know, not some kind of um, carbon copy or not some kind of I don't yeah, know, like there's, original I, I artwork, agree about you know, it. there's some kind of aura from. attached to, or like the the chalk talk, you know, like where it's like right. I was there and watched this, this unique this thing. Unique yeah, thing two years that. ago, I, I I bought this piece from uh, Neil Adams at New York Comic Con, and it was a um, original drawing of Batman on a um, the cover of a Comic Con uh, program. Yeah, and it was classic Neil Adams Batman. I loved it and. That would have been an arm and a leg. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It paid an arm and a leg. But still, I, I bought it. And when I bought it, at the time, Neil wasn't at the um, table. But when he bought it, I mean, I'll get, Neil was so gracious. He said, sit down next to me. And I'm sitting down next to freaking Neil Adams. Yeah, yeah. And he's signing pictures. And, I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome experience. I mean, as far as a fan, even as, you know, no matter what, uh, degree of fan you are sitting next to Neil Adams and having Neil Adams say, "Yeah, sit on next to me." That's kind. Of, that was a kind of cool. I mean, I don't know how long it was. Maybe ten minutes, if that. Getting to the source, basically. <laughs> but he was as gracious, and he was polite, and he was very grateful that I appreciated his artwork, and can't say anything bad about him at all. I mean, it was it was a nice experience. I mean, I, I still I have that. Uh, uh, Batman framed at home. Wife hates it. She doesn't like it. Doesn't understand it. I go, it's still Adams. He, he revolutionized Batman. She goes, yeah, whatever. See, if that were in my house, I'd be like, oh, like we'd have to like pray to it every day. Like, right, yeah. right. There'd be some Goya candles. <laughs> but the point Bodega being, candles. But the point being, 24-hour fandom, <laughs> because I, I'm so exposed to everything that comes in every week, and I know the history of comics, to have something like that in my collection and to have someone of that stature to treat me that way, it was really nice. It was really nice and it's an experience I'll never forget and it's not something you can duplicate. So It's kind of a life-changing can, experience, like, you know? Well, I can attest to, I mean, the thing I've been talking about, like, nonstop since it happened was we had Dana Gould on the podcast, like, two months ago and... To the, I mean, I'm still like. Not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, no. I mean, I've been a, I've been a fan of his comedy since the early '90s. Like, just to have somebody I've idolized for so long, who I've been such a fan of, 
you know, just to be able to talk to them and have that conversation, just it's mind blowing. You know, mm-hmm. the same thing that you were saying with with Neil Adams. You know, I thought you were going to say uh, that you were in the same room with Stan Lee this weekend because that was a thing. You we just did. met Stan Lee. Like, how amazing is that? Like, I mean, I met is a loose term, but really, we were shuffled in and out. Really the only thing, like, the only thing well, I could okay, literally I get watched, out. I read the comment. You're like, well, the package for. Yeah, $110. Well, see, here's the thing about Stan Lee. I mean, nowadays, when you go to a con, he's doing his last cons right now. They're right. usually about $100 the last, for a picture. The one we went to was his last East Coast. They're literally his last con. Right. Yeah. $100 for a picture, $100 for an autograph. About 15 years ago, I was in Atlanta, Georgia for uh, a um, Diamond Comics a retailer um, thing. And Stan Lee was there. I... Uh, maybe about a month before, I purchased an Amazing Spider-Man for a good amount of money. I brought it to the convention, and granted, this is years before things got more monopolized, you know, money tied. Um, so I brought it over, and I just had Stanley sign it. He signed it for free. Have a picture, me and Stan, standing next to him signing the book. And it was just amazing, and he goes, wow, this book's Really, in really good condition, and I go, yeah, I should be. I paid enough for it, and he, then he signs the cover, and he goes, now it's priceless. <laughs> I mean, between that—that's the very Stanley right, interaction. Between that and the Stanley interaction, I can't get any higher than that. You I can't, can't put get a any price better. on that no, shit. No, I mean, even when I went to New York City and have Stanley sign something for a hundred dollars, I go, you know what? No, I mean that Spider-Man that he just deemed priceless. It's never going to get better than that. that that's you can't the, get yeah. better. No, than not that. at all. I mean, but, I mean, when we met him, the only thing, the literal only words I can get out were, "Thank you, sir." Like it was. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, this is the thing. Like, I think it's absolutely fantastic that you have all had these experiences. Then, then there's like the sort of cynical, like DIY punk rock, old, old school part of me that goes, like, what if Stanley just like sat at a table for an hour, and if you made it to that table in that hour. You got to have this experience with Stanley, and if you didn't, you didn't. You didn't. There would be a fucking Wait, riot, and it didn't cost any money. Like I'm just like I'm thinking about like in, outside of the comic genre, like the night I got to meet Hunter Thompson or oh, Kurt really? Vonnegut. Or, oh shit! But, this, oh, hell. but it, I didn't pay two hundred dollars to like. Yeah, it does take something out of the experience. That's not the point. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. You know, it so almost like makes it like you know when you. I mean, it does like make you cynical about that sort of stuff. Like I know I've been. Uh, a band that I really like that I used to listen to that no one gives a fuck about, like, did a really small show. I sat right next to the stage, and the guys okay. all came in uh, the script. Um, they you're, all came. You're right. Yeah, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> um, but like, they came and, like, hung out with us, and, you know, ever since then, it's like, you know, as much of a fan as I am of of them, I would not pay for a concert, because what? why the fuck would I pay to go sit in the balcony when I had a stage set experience. I'd pay to see a show, but I won't pay to do the, like, the $300 VIP Yeah, no, like a VIP where, experience. Where the artist knows that you're paying. Yeah, as I say, it takes something out of the experience when you're, you're kind of just, it's, 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 it's a life hack, basically, like a cheat. You're just, you know what, I'm going to circumvent all this chance, I'm just going to pay this money and I get to do this thing. Like, yeah, but you know what, I, I could see that because I just recently did that with a Brian Wilson concert over at uh, Proctor's. And I hope my wife doesn't listen because it's a, it's a gift for her. Okay. <laughs> um, we paid for a meet and greet with Brian Wilson with a picture mm-hmm. over at the Palace Theater. And yeah. 
I mean, come on, he, he, he's a freaking god. Yeah, role. at the same time, like even yeah. though you are paying to do it, at the same time, it's Brian fucking Wilson. Like, I mean, like seriously, when am I ever going to get from now? People will study him as a, as an important 20th century American composer, right? Just you know, the guy who wrote Surfing Safari. Like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, how often do you have a chance like that? I mean, just. I go, okay, yeah. I'll it depends pay. on, like, what, I mean, like, it's awesome that you got to have that experience with Stanley, but, like, the, then again, it's like, you know, it's his last convention, like, one of his last conventions he'll ever fucking do. Like, you gotta, you know. It's a funny uh, contrast, because, as you mentioned, I saw Stanley and Carrie Fisher in New York City, oh pa- paid the money for the autographs Locker. for both of them. They were all, uh, absolutely awesome. But as a flip side to that, about a week uh, Saturday, at the price, ch- uh, excuse me, Market 32 in Gilderland. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're classing it up. Yeah, it's yeah, Market yeah, yeah. 32. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, they had uh, Larry Thomas, known for uh, his role as a soup Nazi in Seinfeld. Yeah. Yes, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. He was promoting... Uh, his original soup man. Uh, the soup man, yes. So I, I, I actually went there, and he was as nice as you could be. I mean, I wish I knew about this. That would have been great fucking Christmas present I for totally my dad. Saw it. I, in fact, I walked by the uh, uh, the frozen foods, and he was walking by me with this white coat over his arm. No entourage whatsoever. Just a dude hanging in yeah. market thirty two. Right, just just <laughs> went over, <laughs> took pictures with everybody, <laughs> and would actually say no soup for you to yeah. do any video. I mean, I mean, he was a great guy. I mean, but you know, I just can't even think about if I record. My dad is such a huge Seinfeld nerd. That he would have had a meltdown if I got the soup Nazi to make a video for it. <laughs> to, to what you were saying about you know this being one of like Stanley's last cons ever. This is just another side note. We we do a lot of musical side notes tonight. I've noticed, <laughs> but I was at uh, possibly the last, if not one of the last, Beastie Boys shows ever. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Bonnaroo, two thousand ten. Pour one out. Okay. I already I already did my shop, and I'll drink this beer anyway. Beastie Boys, yo. Yeah. And that was amazing. It was right... The thing is, though, MCA would never have taken $200 from you to, like, be in the room with MCA. Yeah, that's true. The people who run Bonnaroo sure as hell did, but he wouldn't have. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? It's, like, one of those things that you fucking kick yourself about. Like, I just paid... I mean, I feel like I'm dropping a lot of numbers right now. I just paid $300 for C-Mart and I to go see Green Day sitting. Oh, Being cool. the first fucking row. Yeah. That's my all-time favorite band. Like, don't give a fuck. Like, I literally grew up listening yeah, to them. My I, dad's I, such a fan. That I don't want to tell you how much I paid for third row seats of Brian Wilson. Yeah, I mean, and you know <laughs> what I mean? More than Paul McCartney? Then you think about no. the fact that people, people <laughs> went to Green Day when they were doing Close. shows in California that like are fucking like, pop-up secret shows that were like probably a dollar to get into. And yeah. they had to drink with them afterwards. And it's like... I just paid all this money like to go stand in the pit. And just to let you know, I paid be half what I paid to see Paul McCartney. That's the whole oh, Jesus shit. I, I've bought cars <laughs> for less than <laughs> for less than what I paid to see Paul McCartney. You only have a one chance yeah, to again, see that. Yeah, again, when are you going to get that chance again? When are you going to see Paul McCartney? You never again? know. Like, but you know? And, and I got to see Mrs. Paul McCartney there, and if I was close enough, I could have grabbed her hand and smelled her finger. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's literally why I got the tickets in the pit. Like, you know, the general admission, we'll be standing the whole fucking time, but see, see I my band, favorite band. That side of fandom I understand. Like, paying 300 bucks to see Green, if that's your favorite band. You're getting a performance okay. out of You're it. You're getting a performance out of it, or Brian Wilson. You know, it's the idea of Paying to be in the presence of the artist for ten seconds. For ten seconds, it's Brian Wilson. Yeah, it's not. Pet sounds. No, I know. And you get a meet and greet. You get a picture with Brian Wilson. Wink, come on. 
Yeah, that's, that, that's tough to argue with. Definitely yeah. worth it. I mean, I would, you know. I'm going to be drinking a lot to replenish oh, you know my blood. Who to revolutionized sell, yes. music in you know the '60s? Remember the Beach Boys were popular. Like, here's a picture of me and him. The Beach Boys are still fucking popular. Is he the one that was friends with Charles Manson. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. No. no, he was. No, it was his brother. Oh, was yeah. it? <laughs>